Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we'll be interviewing my brother and fellow South Carolinian NFL super agent, Tori Dandy. Tori is such a, a dope big bro. I just I'm happy he, you know, took some time out of his busy schedule to come on. But along, you know, similar lines of professional sports, I before we get to Tori, I've got to talk about the unvaccinated NBA players and the collision course that we're seeing emerge between the league, major cities vaccination policies and key NBA markets and NBA superstar and anti-vaxxers who apparently have influence within the NBA players union. In case you missed it, Rolling Stone published a piece this past week about the emerging conflict between unvaccinated stars like Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, the NBA's vaccination policies and the policies of cities like New York and San Francisco that won't allow players to participate in indoor events like basketball games without proof of vaccination. During an August meeting of the league and the NBA Players Association, the NBA wanted to agree to terms that 100% of NBA players would be required to get the vaccine. But the issue was apparently a, quote, non-starter for the NBA Players Association leadership. And guess who was on the executive committee of the NBA Players Union? That's right. Anti-vaxxer Kyrie Irving. The same Kyrie who likes Instagram posts and follows an account that claims secret societies are trying to implant vaccines and a plot to connect black people to a master computer for a plan of Satan. And according to the same Rolling Stone piece, misinformation and conspiracy theories have been spreading across NBA locker rooms. We should all, quote, do our research when it comes to the vaccine, but it's hard to take someone's position seriously when they actively follow and likely are influenced by anti-vaxxer conspiracy theories. We really need some of our other NBA stars to stand up here because as vaccinations lag, it doesn't help when athletes with massive platforms use them irresponsibly. And yes, that includes not being vaccinated, fighting vaccine mandates, and just liking the dumb shit that you do on Instagram when you have thousands of followers. And that's that on that. Now on to the show with my brother, Tori Dandy. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. We have another special episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. I actually get a chance in this interview to interview one of my friends, one of the coolest people on earth, I swear. (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> for each of our guests, we always have them walk us through the arc of their career. But I have to start with saying that it's pretty cool. I have one of the biggest names in football representation, Tori Dandy, on my show from Woodruff, South Carolina. And I just want to let you know personally first how proud I am of everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. What's up, man? How you feeling? Man, I'm blessed. I can't complain at all, man. It's, it's great to see you, brother. Uh, you know, another uh, South Carolina uh, native, a small yeah. town of South Carolina. That's we right. Both, we, we both doing our thing, man. So I'm proud of you as, as well, brother. Man, talk to me about this. Like, uh, talk to me about your first break in the business, your first client, and the moment when you decided that you wanted to become an agent. You know, my first break, man, I, I played football at South Carolina State. Uh, my junior year, I got injured to my rotator in my shoulder. Uh, back then, McCarty, you're talking about night, almost 20 years ago. Uh, ages was not as prevalent as it is now, well known as it is now with social media and all that. And so one of my teammates at the time was getting recruited by agents. And for whatever reason, my senior year, I didn't play because of injuries. And I was more of a student coach. And he asked me, hey, he's like, Tori, man, when you sit through this agent process uh, with me with these meetings, I was like, what ages? What are you talking about? You know, you know, you're not going to the NFL, you know, just, you know, joking around, man. And I sat through the meetings with these ages. I found it very intriguing, very interesting. And it was my first time encountering like, OK, this is what an NFL agent is supposed to do based upon what they're saying. Yeah. And um, I graduated from undergrad, started getting my MBA. And I did an internship with a smaller agency back then called Synergy Sports. They was based in Greenville and uh, Columbia, South Carolina, a small firm. And from there, man, I started researching who was some of the top agents in the business. And for me, I wanted to know who was some of the top black agents in the business as well. And it was one that stood out to me. Man, it was a few top black agents back then. But Eugene Parker, man, who is a legend, an icon, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, I ended up meeting Eugene when I was on my internship. And uh, when that company that I was at, Synergy, they kind of folded for whatever reason. I don't think the owners were sent eye to eye for whatever reason. And they folded, man. And uh, I had a blessing of meeting Eugene Parker, man. He took me up on his wing and gave me opportunity. And from there, the rest was history, man. We, we went, we worked together for about 13, almost 14 years. Wow. And I feel like I learned the game and the industry and the business and, and how to be a true professional and how to be a true uh, black professional as well. When it was kind of non-existent for, you know, you start talking about these athletes, you know, not want black representation, but mm -hmm. I learned it, you know, from Eugene Parker, man. So I, I got a, it's unfortunate Eugene passed, you know, back in 2016. So that was very unfortunate for me. I lost not only a father figure, a mentor, a business partner, all the above, but certainly, man, I was blessed and fortunate enough to, uh, you know, walk up on, a, you know, his wings, man. And he showed me the way. I want to talk about two formative experiences for you. First, growing up in Woodruff, South Carolina and second attending state. How did those two experiences in particular shape you? And how does it shape the work that you do? Specifically, how do you how do those experiences growing up in Woodruff and going to state allow you to understand your clients and their families and be able to represent them well? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, first of all, being from a small town in South Carolina, single parent home. Uh, I'm 41 now, be 42 in December. Uh, I met my biological father for the first time in my life when I was 28 years old. Oh, shit. I first, know that. For, yeah, the first time I laid eyes on him. Uh, I buried my father when I was 30 years old. So I only knew him for about a year and a half, almost two years. He passed away from cancer. Um, so, you know, not having that father figure there, mom had two older sisters in the household that she raised three kids, me and my two older sisters on her side. You know, I seen my mom work two and three jobs, 16 hour shifts. Uh, so I seen the hard work and sacrifice and all that. I get that from my mom. 
you know. And so as I look at what I do now and how I got, you know, to be in the long hours and people don't see behind closed doors, you know, getting in and off the plane. You see me in the airport. We pass each other in the yeah, airport. That's what like, we see each other all the time in the airport. <laughs> all right, man, good to see you. All right, I'm out going this way and that way. No doubt. And so, so that, that sacrifice and that hard work, man, comes from, you know, to see my mom, how she, she grinded out. And then, you know, as you move forward, you know, you start talking about South Carolina State, uh, HBCU, big shout out to all the HBCUs out there. Uh, South Carolina State, man, that's, that's where, you know, my fraternity brothers, you know, and, 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 and my friendships and relationships that I have, you know, still even today, I got into this business at Synergy based upon meeting one of my fraternity brothers that was, a, you know, a vice president at Synergy. So, you know, being in a fraternity, now getting the opportunity to do an internship based upon, you know, knowing my fraternity brother, you know, I think just the opportunity of one of my teammates at the time get recruited by agents asking me to help him with the process. That doesn't happen if I'm not at South Carolina State and have those relationships. And I think now when you start looking at representing these players and these clients, I call them my little brothers. They're they family to me. A lot of them come from single-parent homes. A lot of them come from adverse situations as well growing up. Um, it's just different states, different regions or whatever, but we still have that same story, same you know testimony. And so we're able to relate to each other way outside of just me doing a contract or me just being an agent. You know, I put on a lot of hats when it comes to my clients, whether it's an agent, you know, advisor doing the contract, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a big brother, brother figure, whether it's a confidant, whether it's, you know, a life coach. I mean, it's, it's, it's nonstop, man, of what I provide that I think is priceless for my guys and their families. So for folks who don't fully grasp what you're doing at CAA, let me make it a little bit clear. CAA is one of the premier representation firms in the country, and you lead one of their biggest moneymakers, which is the football practice. Your client roster mm-hmm. includes DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Chris Godwin, Eddie Goldman, Marshawn Lattimore. Congrats on that big contract. Thank Shaq, you. Shaq Lawson, Denzel Ward, Sammy Watkins, Devin White, Mike Williams, Debo, of course, Debo, USC, yeah. just to name a few. <laughs> no doubt. And you work with Jimmy Sexton, who practically owns college football. What's the mm-hmm. secret sauce for, for building a client roster like this and working your way up through the ranks? at one of the most competitive shops in the entire country. Yes. And, and I would say this, like, I have to say this to brag a little bit about CAA. For the last eight years, we have been Forbes Magazine, number one sports and entertainment agency in the world. And so that's for the last eight years. And so I, I definitely got to give a shout out to the whole entire team at CAA. Where, where y'all based at? Y'all, you in LA or New York? Where are you? So our main corporate offices are LA and New York, but I'm based in Atlanta. I actually moved to Atlanta, man, about three months ago. To run our football, yeah, run our football office here from Charlotte. So now I'm in Atlanta. Uh, but you know, the man to to build, be able to build what I have built in, in my practice uh, and represent some of the top players that I represent is, is having a great team around me as well. I tell families all the time. I tell clients all the time. It's not a one man show. You know, it takes it to to these these young men now are brands. They're building brands, and so who am I as an individual? to be able to do all that. I can't do that. I got to have a great marketing team around me, a great client managers around me to help guys on a day-to-day basis. Got to have a great legal division as well, PR division as well. So that's how I'm able to scale that and really be proficient and efficient in the aspect of helping these guys manage their life on and off the field. So I will say, certainly say it's a great team and resources that we have and the reach we have at CAA that allow me to continue to build the business that I have built. 
Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and relove our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit, or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Taking a step back, help our listeners understand exactly what agents do. And mm-hmm. how do you get clients? When you get a client, what do you do? What's the work of an agent like you between contracts? Because it's not like when you're, you know, you you see the contract, you take the contract, they get the contract, they sign it. But what else is there for you to do? You know, first of all, you got to start recruiting. I mean, you you, you got to, you can, you just don't get the guy out of, out of air somewhere. You got to go actually hit the, hit the pavement. No matter how big you are as an agency or your success as a name, as an individual agent, is always competition. And so you got to start out being, you know, building genuine relationships with these guys and their families and, and them entrusting to help you lead them through the draft process. And so you see a young man, you target a young man at, at whatever school is at, you try to build that relationship with the family, you recruit them, and then ultimately, you, you know, you're able to sign them and, and become business partners, I call it. And now they come be a part of your family. You help guide that young man through the draft process from January all the way to April. And then once they are drafted, whatever city they go to, then you help with the relocation aspect of it. We help with the, you know, shipping cars and helping find the apartment or house or whatever the case might be. You know, whatever it is logistically, we help with all that. Uh, we help with that, help with that total transition. We want to make these young men, all they would need to be primarily focused on is the playbook. You know, don't worry about anything else off the field. We got it covered. And then once they get into their careers, I mean, of course, they got a ball. They got to do their thing or whatever. And then, of course, what I'm constantly doing is I'm going to see my guys. If you follow me on social media. Yeah, every I see week, every, every week. Well, you're, you're not, you're not, uh, who, who, who does Carolina play tonight? Um, they play Houston tonight. You're not in Houston tonight? No, nah, I see, I seen Carolina the first week. So I, I, I get back around to that, you know, see them again. But I'm actually going to Chicago tomorrow. And then I'm actually going to Cleveland on uh, uh, Saturday to see see my guys with Cleveland. They actually play the Bears, and so see see my guys there. So I'm constantly doing that, and I'm constantly talking to the teams, you know, seeing what's going on. Because yeah, you you talk about a Marshawn Lattimore record breaking deal and, and and all that, but let me see how much was that deal again? Tell tell folks. Oh, that deal, that deal Marshawn was a close you know five year deal, close to a hundred million dollars with a record at signing for guaranteed for a cornerback in history. Um, and so, yeah, we're very proud of that deal, but that took a lot of work and it took a lot of teamwork to get that deal done as well. And so what you're doing is 
you're constantly talking to teams. You're constantly building a relationship with trust factors because we talked about the deal of that magnitude. Yeah. The team want to know, first of all, they can trust the player and he's still a great player. But also they want to, they want to build a trusted representation who's with that player as well. So you spend time, whether it's going to dinners, when the guy's on the road, you're going to these games or whatever. You know, what kind of relationship you have with a general manager? What, what kind of relationship you have with the vice I mean, listen, I mean, y'all, y'all firm ain't known to be the best firm for defensive backs. I mean, defensive backs, yeah. you know, they 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 go to sports stars, right? Isn't that what they <laughs> isn't that what they say they're supposed to do? Yeah. And then I, here I, you I, go, <laughs> here you go with the number with the I don't want to say the number one defensive back because my little brother Stephon Gilmore, when he get back, is still the best defensive yeah. back in the league. <laughs> but, South Carolina, <laughs> yeah, but but you set records in terms of contracts, which mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's a business. I mean, yes. What does that mean going forward for you when you're able to to be able to go out in somebody's home and be like, look at look, at, you know, numbers don't lie. Yeah, I, I just think, man. You know, I go back to when I started. You know, nineteen almost twenty years ago. I'm just trying to convince somebody to even give you a meeting. You know, and 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 figure out that you support, you belong here. And now to be at this point where I'm at is co-head of our football division, equity owner in CA. You know, oh man, they done gave you equity. Yeah, I got equity last year. I became partner last year, man. Oh well, you better. I listen. That's what it is, <laughs> right there, then, man. Yeah, and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so not having a deal like these deals or these magnitudes, I think what it does now just put a more of a stamp on you, man, and just saying and let families know that hey. He's arrived and he's here. I mean, what can he do now? You know, and so because you got haters out there, people who naysay and all that. But I always just try to check the boxes, man, to keep it moving. Um, but, you know, track record in this business, you can't lie. The numbers don't lie. The facts are the facts and they remain. And so I feel like when you take what I bring to the table and the aspect of on the business side of it now, but also on a personal side at, at touch. I mean, it's, it's tough to beat when, when you meet good gene with people that mirror what you mirror and what you're about as well. You know, I uh, I can't remember. What's the Drew Rosenhaus? I was going to mm-hmm. say you always for a long period of time in the sports agency world, particularly in football. All you saw was Drew Rosenhaus. And it's been kind of cool to watch your name rise up there. And mm-hmm. uh, I forget my my friend's name who has uh, Jalen Ramsey and, and Deshaun Watson and that yeah, group. You, you got Dave Moore together. Correct. Take and it. you got. Yeah. Yep. And you got some good, solid men of color who are representing mm-hmm. on that same level, but you still got to go in the homes. And let me just kind of get this out the way. How do you convince, particularly in a, in a sport that's 70, 80% black, uh, I'm a lawyer and I have to deal with it all the time. You know, we go through this thing where some black folk believe that their ice is colder than ours. Mm-hmm. How do you go in there and sit on a sofa and have to prove your worth and say that you can do this job just as well as anybody else? That's great, man. That's a great question. Great point. But I also want to give a shout out. You know, you have great black agents now and myself and they move together. You got Nicole Lynn, you have Chaffee Fields. Shout out to Nicole know. Lynn, the first, the first female to have a, I don't want to say lottery pick. What, what is it called? Yeah. In the, top, 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 10, top five or top 10? Was yeah. it top five? She, she had Quinn. She had, she had, Quinn, Quinn Williams, yeah. Yeah. She yeah, whipped so, y'all you know, ass. She beat y'all for Quinn. Hey, you know, man, you know, it's <laughs> enough, it's enough for everybody to go around, man. I want to <laughs> I, I, I see all of us win at, and win at a very high level. But I think, you know, it goes back to when you say going out, you know, being able to sit on that sofa, man, just tell the story. I always tell the story of how I got started. And I always, Ricardo, for me, man, I don't let this business dictate who Tory Dandy is. And so I go in there the same way I'm talking to you. I tell the story of the young boy from Woodruff, South Carolina, who was trying to figure it out. The young man who had a daughter when he was in 10th grade. You know, the young man who, had, who didn't have a father. The young man that, you know, his mother was trying to figure out, okay, what are you about to do next? Go to college. Be the first one in my family ever go to college. You know, when I got to go to graduate school, get my MBA, my mom said, what is graduate school? That's where I come from. 
So I tell those stories, man, and I just be very transparent with who I am. My business speaks for itself. And at the end of the day, I'm not trying to sign every player. Every player is not a fit for me. I'm not a fit for every player. Uh, some players want to be lied to and, 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 and told they the best that ever come through, and, and that's not necessarily the truth. I'm not a yes man. I would never be a yes man. I work for the player. The player don't work for me, but it's going to be a level of respect as well. And so I just be me, man, and I just tell my story and get my facts about who we are and who I am. And then at the end of the day, I'm a God-fearing man. And I feel like God is going to put the right young men in my life and families in my life that's supposed to be there. And if they don't, I mean, I wish them the best in who they select and wish them you know, young men well. So that has always worked for me. And I learned that just by watching Eugene Parker for a number of years of, of being able to, you know, back then, you know, think about when he got started. I mean, it was really no blacks. And then, you know, and, and then everything that was going on in the world back then, you know, really it was really hard for a black person, yeah, professional yeah. to really win. And so being able to see him do things with high character and integrity and stand on what he stood on his principles, I just always try to mirror that, man. And I think that's why I've been so successful. So uh, switching gears a bit to NILs mm-hmm. and college football, does something like NILs help an agent like you where you now get clients who have had some experience with endorsements and the ability to balance the off-the-field business ventures and the on-the-field performance? Or does this new terrain scare you a little bit? I think it's a little of both. I mean, we've we have we've been very successful, like guys like Bryce Young from Alabama. We represent him, do his NIL. I mean, that kid is almost at a, you know, right at a million dollars in NIL deals. Um, mm. But, you know, we, we, we have been very selective uh, when it comes to the NIL space. We, we, you know, I think everybody's still trying to figure it all out and how this thing going to really play out, you know, short-term and long-term. But I'm glad to see these young men now being able to be compensated for, you know, the work that they put in, the service that they put into these institutions. But I think it's going to be an ongoing process of really seeing, okay, what is the best way to approach this thing? What's the best way to maximize this thing for the, for the guys? Because what you don't want to do is, as, as a collegiate athlete, take a deal too early and lock yourself in and undervalue yourself. And then all of a sudden now here comes the draft process a few months later and you already locked yourself in and lowballed yourself. So I think it's one of those things that just continue to educate these young men and their families, uh, knowing that all money is not good money. Uh, and it's not the best deal to do, the best product to represent or whatever. Uh, but I, I'm glad to see overall that they are in the space of now allowing these young men to compensate themselves for their services. One of the more difficult questions for you today, and I don't have many of them, but how are you helping right. your guys navigate this new environment with vaccinations and COVID? And I know the league mandates helping you with that. And then mm-hmm. five, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, how did you help them? Because I remember Steph called me one day and they were trying to figure out what they were going to kneel, what they were going to do when they locked mm-hmm. arms. And he was really proud of that moment. And I helped mm-hmm. him talk through what he was going to say after. How did you help those guys get through that issue of race that the league was having that they didn't look really prepared for? Yeah, I would definitely say, first of all, of course, the vaccination piece of it. I think that's an individual thing. Uh, you know, right before the draft, April 23rd, uh, I was down bad with COVID. I, I experienced COVID pretty bad for about two months. I mean, it was rough. I had to go to the hospital and all that. So I, I, I personally experienced it. I was personally against getting vaccinated at the time as well. Uh, but I certainly COVID kicked my butt, man, kicked my tail and it really opened my eyes. And so mm-hmm. um, now I'm fully vaccinated. Um, and so all I can do is once again, just try to tell my guys, you know, the pros and cons, what I think about it. Uh, once again, it's their bodies. They got to live with it. But truly, I think probably about 98, almost 99 percent of my guys are fully vaccinated as well. And they did that kind of on their own without me having to really do a, a big push on that. Uh, and of course, the league stepped in and gave some mandates and all that or whatever. So 
maybe that pushed the guys even further to even do it or whatever. Some guys had family situations where they had family members die or family members get really sick from COVID. Maybe that, that was a factor as well. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't have to do a lot of pushing when it comes to the vaccination piece of it. And then as it relates to the race thing, man, uh, with me, it's one of those things I'm always having ongoing conversations with my yeah. guys. Uh, and so it's not like I have to jump in and say something about race now. We always talk about, you know, how I became the first black agent at CA, how I became the first equity black owner at CA Sports and Football. You know, we always talk about those kind of things. We always talk about, you know, in the locker room. We always talk about it ain't it ain't a black owner in the NFL. You know, so we always talk about those topics. And then, I, I, you know, I was, you know, disappointed, you know, in, in some of the teams and organizations that took that stance against guys couldn't kneel. You know, and how they try to force that and mandate that. I think it was very unfortunate with Colin Kaepernick, you know, that he's not in the league. When you see some of these quarterbacks that are out there that's still floating around, you know, and, and I mean, Chase, still making... Chase Daniels is, <laughs> is going in the Business Hall of Fame. That man done throw four passes in the league and still getting paid. You know, and some of these guys have been around for 10, 12, you know, 12 years and they haven't really done nothing. Kaepernick took the 49ers to two back to back NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl and all that. And so they're now. Being the lead because of, of those kind of factors, man, you know, it's always an ongoing thing. You know, you do a tremendous job in, in putting it out there and putting the word out there and what you do in the news space and in our world and all that and CNN, a lot of coverage stuff you have done. So I want to salute you for that, man. But, you know, it's always going on, something going on every day, man, in our world, whether it's locally, whether it's nationally. Yeah. Um, we always talk about change and being about change. We got a long way to go. You know, it's unfortunate about the George Floyd you know, situation as well and, and, and prayers to him and his family and all that. But I think that certainly shined a light on us even more. What's yep. really going on out here. Uh, and I seen, you know, not just you know NFL teams or NBA teams, but I seen organizations try to step up and, you know, and, and try to make, you know, do some stuff, you know, when it comes to diversity and all that. I think it opened the door for us to have more opportunity in space and all that, but we got to be prepared for those opportunities. Correct. But I think it's, it's ongoing, man. And so I'm always talking to my guys about life and what's going on out here and world topics. So it wasn't something that I had to push a panic button on. It was just a natural conversation and we just opened up to each other. And we always be, we always had some, some of those sensitive, vulnerable conversations. And so for me, it wasn't a lot different. Before I let you go, we got to talk about something mm -hmm. that we, that we love, which is, you know, HBCUs. No doubt about it. <laughs> How do we get more H? I mean, Darius Leonard is a monster. He's arguably, mm -hmm. you know, the best. I see you got J.J. Watt over there. And, mm -hmm. you know, J.J. Watt is always one of the best. But Darius Leonard is one of the best no, defensive players it, in the in the whole league. And, and he's paid like it, too, from South Carolina yes. State. How do we mm -hmm. get more? How do we get more MEAC, SWAC, SIAC, CIAA players in that draft room? What has to happen to have more HBCU representation? I think it, you, know, you go back and look at like what Dion is doing now at Jackson State. I think it's now it's just getting those players who can really ball and, and, and they don't have to be at Alabama. They don't have to be at Clemson. They don't have to be at Georgia, but they can go to these HBCUs and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm a top player from this state. I'm a top high school player. Man, you know what? I'm going to break the norm. I'm going to go to Jackson State. I'm going to go to South Carolina State. I'm going to go to a, a North Carolina ANT, whatever school it may be, and, and I'm going to represent there. Because at the end of the day, you still have to have talent. You could be at Alabama and get there, and all of a sudden, now you can't even hit the field. So it's all about having the talent, first of all. But then also now, you know, going to these programs and doing your thing there and, you know, and, and representing at the highest, highest level. And Darius Leonard, I mean, I mean, SC State Bulldog, 
I mean, he's an all pro guy. <laughs> so he needs to get to that point and get. No, he's not. He ain't just no pro bowl guy. All right. Right. <laughs> yeah, like you said, he all, all pro. pro. <laughs> yeah. He all pro, you know, and so that's certainly special man. And then you look at like even Carolina state having, you know, out of Clemson and South Carolina, we got the most hall of fame guys as well in the pro hall of fame. So I think it's more so now just putting that light on HBCUs and these scouts and teams really going and, and recognizing that, hey, there's a lot of talent there. But I think it starts with these, these young men out of high school saying, you know what, I'm going to break the norm. I'm a five-star, four-star, whatever it may be. I'm a three-star. Instead of taking this, this scholarship to Louisville or to North Carolina, you know, I'm going to go to one of these HBCUs and, and change the norm in that way. And I think that's where the ultimate started by having the talent, but having that talent go to those schools as well. You got to have the talent. Last question for you. Yes. We know Buddy We know Buddy Pugh and South Carolina State, they're going to win the NBAC. They start yeah. out 0-3, but they play Alabama A&M, number mm-hmm. one HBCU team in the country. Mm-hmm. Clemson, who mm-hmm. quarterback a little overrated, can't get right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then they went to New Mexico State. So who do they play in the celebration ball? We know they're going to win the NBAC. Who they going to play from the SWAT? <sighs> Jackson State ain't making it. I would regardless you don't, you don't of what. Hell no. <laughs> I would love to see that matchup though, Jackson State and South Carolina State. I would love to see it too. That. I mean, we get the bands and yeah. all that stuff. No, Jackson State, yeah. they're just not, they're not, they're not good enough. Yeah. Um, that's a great question, man. Um, who would you say the favorite in a swap? Hmm. Not Jackson State, who would you say? I mean, it has to be, has to be one of them schools out of Alabama. Yeah, I was about to say too. I know Alabama, either Alabama AM or Alabama State has a quarterback that's phenomenal. It's Alabama yeah, AM, I believe. Yeah, yeah, then the kid is like 6'4, six, 6'5, six, you know, 240, 250 pounds. He's I mean, yeah, Grambling is a, you know, I don't know if they it still are any good. Traditionally, they are a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, you know, we come from a we come from a time when Prairie View didn't win no games, right? Exactly. Morgan, yeah. Morgan, Morgan State <laughs> yeah. and Prairie View were homecoming schools. Yeah. Things that's, that, that's, things what you, have, that's what you want to put on the on, on homecoming, homecoming schedule for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. I hope to see you at a few of these. Uh, I hope South Carolina State got a they got a wide receiver that, that it should be yeah. okay if he can stay yeah, healthy. Yeah, I, I've been hearing about him. They got a corner as well, cornerback. The uh, corner had a had a two picks against two, uh, Clemson. Clemson. Durant, yeah, so, you know, we yeah. always get a Durant that can ball. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. so, yeah, it definitely got my eyes on those guys, man. I wish those guys well. Of course, I'm going to homecoming this year and, and, and root on for those guys and have a good time, at, 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 you know, at our homecoming this year as well. Man, I hope one day we can get you down there at South Carolina State. I mean, at University of South Carolina recruiting some boys because we, we trying to build back up a program, man. My Gamecocks, we struggling, but we trying. I know. They, they, they get back, man. Anyway, thank you. Up. Thank you, Tori Danny. Shout out to everybody in Atlanta. Have fun. Be safe, brother. I'm so proud of you again. And thank you for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast. Thank you, brother. I'm proud of you as well. All right, man. Be easy. All right. How you too? Before I let you go, I got to say something about the negotiations around the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act falling through last week. In case you missed it, it was announced that the bipartisan and bicameral negotiations between Senators Booker and Scott and Representative Bass to get federal policing reform passed has fallen through. This was obviously very personal for me because I worked with so many families, including the Floyd family, who wanted to see this bill passed and viewed it as a right step forward in finally instituting federal policy and policing reforms that would move American policing in the right direction. So where do we go from here? Well, first, let's keep it in perspective. The bulk of police reform won't happen in Washington anyway. It happens in state capitals and in cities. We've seen comprehensive police reform pass in places like Maryland and Virginia, for example, and other reforms in places like Louisiana. 
We're also seeing our mayor step up in some of our major cities. That doesn't mean we don't need federal reform. We do. But we need to have these reform conversations at every level of government because law enforcement is regulated at every level of government. There's also now an even more critical role that the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division has to play in stepping up its oversight of our police and sheriff's department across the country. That's more pattern and practice suits, more consent decrees, and a better use of DOJ grant programs to leverage reforms that we all want to see. Congress failed us all. There's no way to slice it. But there's still lots of work to do in this space, in our cities and counties, in our state capitals, and with the DOJ. And that's that on that. We'll see you guys all on Thursday. Thursday.